Breaking news! Welcome to Will and Merzane's special TTS report. Thanks, Merzane, and we're back with... I don't want to call it the finale, because there's more to come, but also the finale of Season 7 regular season has happened upon us, and we're here with another TTS special report. I'm Will Merzane. What's happening? Nothing much. Uh, everything's okay on my end. I feel like it's probably a little better on your end. I mean, I'm pretty happy with how things have worked out so far. Uh, so in case you're wondering and you haven't seen the news, I actually made the cuts for season seven of TTS. So like 32 player tournament, right, Merzane? 32 people made it to cuts and one of them's name on the uh on the tournament sheet is hpp will <laughs> yes yes like this is one of those things right so if you're out there listening and you've never played tts or you just play casual play at home you know hanging out having a good time this game is so wonderful for that and the tts scene is one that is you know kind of I don't want to say meta-defining, because I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but like, so many content creators participate in that, and the statistics that come out of it, because it's such a big player pool and everything, are very informative about the conversation around Crisis Protocol. Would you think that's a fair way to put it there, Merzane? Yeah, it's the biggest, even though it's digital, the biggest congregation of players in one single event um, with one single goal in mind for if you're playing it in a competitive mindset, which is to make cuts. So it, it's, it draws a lot of heads and it brings a lot of people's a games um, because they all, they every, there's a lot of good players in the game and a lot of good players on TTS and most of them want to get that spot. And there's not very many. Exactly. And I think that this was the most in a single TTS season across all of the different time zones, right? Yep. It's always growing because the way we don't have a particular amount of slots available per se. It's based on your record. If you make it at least five and one, so all undefeateds and all five and ones will make it into the cuts. Uh, it used to be limited amounts of slots. And so like tiebreakers and stuff would come in. Um, but we decided to change that so it was a little bit easier to figure out your goals. Your goal is to win everything but one. And yeah. then you're in. So it's very predictable. It makes a good a good solid pool. Um, a, a little bit more consistent, a little bit more fun, I think. Because um, like the goal before was like, well, there's five slots in this bracket and seven slots in this bracket and two in this one. Uh, how do I know I'm, I'm the top? what are the top two in this 18 person bracket or whatever. So yeah, um, it, it works out better this way. And um, the other nice thing, it, it lets you know before there were chances, if you were, you know, X and two going in, meaning you'd whatever the game round was, you'd lost two of your, you'd won everything except for two games. There was a chance you got in. So you were still going to try to gun for it. But now if you're X and two, so for example, me, I went one and two uh, in the first three rounds. So I was out. I can just play casual. I can just have fun games and not have to yeah. worry about vying for a top spot. Yeah. And and that makes sense. And like all I'm getting at with this whole conversation and talking about all of this is like 
if TTS isn't your thing, that's fine. And, you know, I appreciate you sticking around and listening to this because I I do enjoy talking about it and talking about everything that's kind of been going on with it and everything and trying to, you know, upgrade my play. But it's one of those things where, for me, as, you know, if you've been a suit for a long time and been here with me for a long time, you know my ideas on the game are casual with a little hint of competitiveness and and just having a good time everything is viable and I'm still that same person but at the same time I have always felt like that the actions matter I guess if you will and while maybe that's just a me thing but like I want someone to be like that will he knows what he's talking about he's a good player he he did xyz and I don't know if that means anything, Merzane. I really don't. <laughs> but but for me, it's just one of those things where making it to cuts, seeing how I've really attempted to actually play better, you know, and look, I've, it's not that I've phoned it in anytime I've ever been to an event or on TTS before like that, but I'm just, just having a good time most of the time, right? And mm. not trying to be some super competitive guy. And in this season, I made a concerted effort to, one, get good with Convocation. And by get good, I mean in the Dark Souls way, G-I-T-G-U-D. Get good. (laughs) Get good. And so, you know, that was part of it. And then also, it's, you know, just again, like, if someone says, I listen to HPP, well, then they can be like, oh, yeah, you know, he actually knows what he's talking about. And I, I don't know if that matters. I don't. I don't. But I've talked about it before on this show, and I'm not going to rehash old ground, but, like, imposter syndrome is a thing I deal with sometimes. And, like, I feel like that making it two cuts is at least some sort of, like, you know, hey, I actually do have an idea of what I'm doing with Crisis Protocol. So, like, it's it's just it's a really good feeling for me. And, you know, we're going to dive into the match from this past week, and then we're going to talk about what my roster might look like for the tournament, because I definitely think I'm going to make some changes. Yeah. So anyways, Mersane, so let's talk about this behemoth of a match. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it live, which a lot of people did thank you so much for everyone that tuned in whether you stayed for the whole thing like a real champ i'm pretty sure jacob from xavier protocols was there for pretty much all of it so bro you're a champ and i appreciate <laughs> that uh but if you're interested in checking it out you can go to twitch.tv slash darth balls zero five and that's balls with a z because you know it's edgy and uh check it out and if you see the match and it says four hours and 57 minutes and it makes you scratch your head like what could have possibly taken four hours and 57 minutes well my friends strap in get something to drink make sure your pause button's ready because it was large it was uh quite big i i wasn't in a place with good internet so i i tuned in every now and then and i would look at the board and I would have to log out because of internet and log back in and two characters had moved. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is a lot. This is a monster of a game. Yeah. And to to 
you know, it was it was my fault a lot. You know, we both uh, QDR. I gotta say right off the rip, what a great opponent, super fun person to play against. He's very nice. He and I both bantered back and forth, talked back and forth, chit chatted back and forth between actions, between rounds, stuff like that. So like, you know, it wasn't one person or the other person taking an egregious amount of time. It was two players playing at their, I think, highest capacity, in yep. a sense. You know what I mean? It's what it, it felt like for me anyways. Yeah. It's important to note that, like, TTS games can take a little bit longer than your average game. But uh, when it's... I, I, I've seen it a lot, both in my play and other play, and this is another example. Round six, two people, four and one, gutting. One of them has to be eliminated from the cuts. Those games tend to take a little longer because there's a lot of stakes. Both players are really nervous. Um, we don't have a time limit on the normal rounds of the league. So people will just take their time and do the most optimal play possible. And it creates very long games. But the very long five-hour games <laughs> are yeah. definitely not the norm. They, they are tend not. to be the norm in the final rounds, which is why the final cuts this time is going to have a time limit set in on it. Yes, which I'm really excited for because I I don't particularly play well on clock per se, but I just I like that. I like that there's that added little bit of clock pressure because with one of the things I've talked about on this show and how I play my convocation is, okay, I've got activations that I can burn to save clock. Yep. Especially in round one, which, you know, one of the things that Guild Ball taught me was saving clock time when you can is really important. And having your first two or three plays kind of more or less mapped out, not not necessarily like defined, this is what I'm going to do every single time against every this single opponent, but being able to say, okay... You know, I can activate Mordo here. He's going to move. He's going to grab an objective. He's going to get two power done. Right. And yep. I know kind of what to do with him. You know, Wong. Okay. Wong's going to activate. He's going to meditate. He's going to give someone a power and then he's going to move on to an objective if he can or just get into a position for support. Cool. You know, that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's, it's kind of what we talked about before, you know, like keeping track of your win condition, keeping track of your goals. If you can do that on time pressure, and you're just, you're just constantly aware time pressure isn't as pressuring because yeah. you don't have to continuously think about, well, what do I need to do this turn? You may not know. Instead, you may not know the exact actions you'll take, but you know, I need to control the middle of the board or I need to move this person within range two of this person. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a puzzle of how do I accomplish that instead of starting with, well, what do I need to do now? And then you look at the board and you figure out you need to get that guy within two. And then you try to figure out how to do Exactly. Exactly. So anyways, this game, I got to say, it was it was so insane. So we had Mutant Madman and Montessi formula. So that's the four corners one and then the books that go straight down Main Street in the E shape. And they give you a range three, six dice energy beam attack. Right. So we had talked about also before. Nightmare scenario would have been Mayor Fisk and Krikor. <laughs> and luckily, yep. we avoided the nightmare scenario. And this one, when he pulled Mutant Madman, I was definitely a little like, 
oof. But I've come around on that crisis more lately because, yes, with Clea, Mordo, Wong, a couple of these other characters, Voodoo, I'm only rolling two physical defense to try to flip that. But really, I think it's about a 75% chance on if no opponent is there. Yeah, it's a 75% chance so, if you're rolling two dice. So it's not terrible. Where it gets complicated is when an opponent is standing there and you're trying to flip it. Yeah. Which, that's one of the things that I really tried hard to avoid was interacting with objectives that he was standing around. And the game flowed kind of really back and forth. And he had a real early advantage. I made a few early mistakes. Um, one of them being I placed Dr. Voodoo up early in round one. Like Luke Cage moved up and grabbed the middle book, which, you know, seems reasonable. That seems like a very Luke yep. Cage thing to do. So he moves up, grabs the middle book. And I use Strange's ability to place Dr. Voodoo up, and I just miss my placement on line of sight. I mean, just barely. It's it's a millimeter off kind of a thing. And, you know, it's the cuts game, so we're not going to take it back. No take backsies here. So I miss that, so I end up having to move... I can't remember if I moved and attacked or what I ended up doing with Voodoo there, but I kind of missed out on on snagging that from him there, right? Strange was able to move up and do some attacks, and, you know, the dice were kind of ice cold for me early, but we both had, like, on, on offense, but we both had, like, really good defense rolls. It was yeah. kind of insane. And um, so the early round, I think I went down three to four, and I stayed for the first three rounds. I was behind by one point every round, mm-hmm. which was critical to me to be able to hit my swing turn and take a big lead, which is what I ended up doing. I think it was either round three or four because the game was so long. I lost track of what round it was in constantly, <laughs> but I was able to eventually take a lead and parlay that where I was able to, who did I KO? I can't even remember who I KO'd, but I KO'd someone for him. And then I was able to just displace him in all over the board in such a way that where he couldn't catch me where I was. Oh, yeah, I KO'd uh, Vision, I think it was. I KO'd Vision. Mm-hmm. And I was able to displace the rest of his characters to where they couldn't get back into position to prevent me from winning kind of a thing. And, yeah. you know, all of this, I'm, I'm kind of giving the, over, the overview here, but like the minutia of the game is really interesting because I was really worried about his follow me play that I knew was coming and like when he was going to use Avengers Assemble to kind of like pop off, right? Because that's kind of what you do. He was playing Sam-led Avengers with Sam Wilson, Luke Cage, Dr. Voodoo, Iron Man, and Vision. And then I had my Convocation Squad. It was obviously Strange Supreme, who I made my leader in this game, which I normally do Mordo, but I felt like Strange was going to be the optimal play for this one. And then Baron Mordo, Dr. Voodoo, Magic, and Wong. And this, 
I've really, really went back and forth on Magic before flipping this over. And you know why I chose Magic in this matchup. I actually said it on stream, but do you know why I did? I want to hear you say it. Because she has a three physical defense. <laughs> Seriously. That is the reason why she was on the board today. Because That's a good reason. I mean, when I looked at my roster, when I when I see my roster there, literally, other than Hulk and Strange, she's the only other character with a, more than two physical defense. So... It was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, Magic's in. We're playing Mutant Madman. Get that little extra bit of a chance. And it allowed me to bring Journey Through Limbo, which you haven't gotten this far in the stream yet, but my God, was that card clutch. <laughs> like, seriously. So we talked about it last week, how if I thought he was bringing Hulk, then I would bring Brace and Indomitable both. Mm-hmm. But I I really didn't think he was going to bring a Hulk, so I did not bring Indomitable, and mm-hmm. it was it was the the decision of the game. Like it was one of those like turn zero decisions that ended up paying dividends. And I'll kind of explain how that all unfolded a little later. But the game, as with most B shaped maps, kind of unfolded in kind of a two flanks, kind of fighting it out kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that as convocation, right? And what I ended up doing was taking Magic and Mordo kind of to one side versus Iron Man and like Vision kind of would pop in and out kind of a thing. And then it was Strange and Voodoo with Wong kind of like being able to bounce between the two of them on the other side and his Voodoo, Luke Cage... And Captain America over there, his Sam Wilson over there. Like, like Vision was kind of towards the side with Mordo and Magic more than the other, but not like he kind of was able to move kind of wherever he needed to be. But it ended up being a really interesting match. Like, he ended up, I think, early round two just detonating my voodoo. I mean, just waxed him right into his dazed form. <laughs> I mean... Nothing I could do. It was just a super hot roll, and it just, it is what it is. But one of the decisions I made entering round two, I looked at the power situation because, again, Merzane, what's one of the things we've talked about with the power situation? I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, It's how I feel like Convocation is able to generate more power than their opponents in general. Yes. Right? Like Very true. You've got Strange Voodoo who can kind of have some shenanigans. You've got Magic who, if you attack her with Mystic, which in this case didn't matter, but you know she gets a little bonus there. Mordo can build his own power. Wong can generate power and pass it to somebody. That kind of stuff, right? So I was like, okay, I'm able to generate more power generally, and especially on the side of where the big fight is with the the two Voodoos and and Captain America and Cage. That's where kind of the meat and potatoes of the fight is, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to play Ironbound Books turn two. First time all season I haven't done it. It did definitely get Voodoo <laughs> dazed. However, it ended up playing dividends in round three. And here's why. So, I didn't play it round two. And the reason I didn't play it round two is because I felt like 
one, he was pretty power-starved as it was from having to interact with all the objectives turn one. Two, I didn't expect him to be able to gain enough power to do everything he wanted to do because my game plan kind of shifted from DPS to hard control. Like, I was mm -hmm. still trying to roll dice, and my dice were a little cold, but, like, it was very much a, a like, okay, just get enough power to do a little bit and, and control a little bit, and, and we'll make it work from there, kind of a thing. So it was kind of an interesting kind of plan that I had there with that. And so, again, I didn't feel like I was going to be in too much danger turn two. Turn three rolls around, I pop Ironbound Books, right off the rip, he uses Follow Me. With, I think it was Voodoo activating with a Follow Me into Luke Cage. And... He netted, I think, two damage from that. It was, I mean, hot defense rolls from Voodoo. He was hoping to KO Voodoo, and I just had insane defense roll on Voodoo, which never happens. And then, you know, Strange with his Mystic Armor was doing fun things. So it was just kind of, it just really worked out really well that he used kind of what his big turn was meant to be while I was also on my big turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, you know, dice are going to dice, like I always say. But it just, it was one of those, like, somebody out there was smiling down on me. Because <laughs> it was another one of those, like, decisions where, again, you know, I typically play Ironbound Books turn two. Because it's, you know, usually the danger zone. But I didn't do it this round, in this game, because I really looked at the situation, and that's what I'm trying to get at with talking about this like this for so long, is that the game situation did not scream at me, put your best defenses up. You know what I mean? Like, just Luke Cage is dangerous, as what happened later in the game, I'll talk about in a second. Luke Cage is dangerous, Voodoo's dangerous, but Voodoo into me, I'm not too worried about, because I've got Mystic Defense pretty good here. And then, you know, Captain America... I'm not too worried about his four dice attacks. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've played that game where he just pops off. I've seen it happen. It's nasty, and I hate it. <laughs> but I also, you know, the math of it all, four, four dice versus three dice or four dice for Strange and Voodoo on that side of the board, that's that's okay math. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that that, you know, I, I, I've... I'm watching some of the game. I haven't had a chance to really break down and watch it, but I watched up to about about round two, and it looks. I, I think that was a really good decision, because the only people who could hurt you for real uh, were like Vision on a sweet beam, which you didn't set up sweet beams for what I from what I've seen so far. Oh yeah, I was I was hyper aware of it because there were so many more sweet beams out there. There's there's so many sweet beams in this, <laughs> um, but you've got. For physical attackers, you've got Luke Cage, who he knows you're gunning for and is not going to get into, into a fight with at that time. Yeah. Uh, Voodoo, who books don't matter for. Vision, who's shooting energy. and Books don't matter? So, like, and the other one was, the only one that you really cared about was Sam because of his four-die builder. But like you said, I don't think you were that scared of it at that point. What you're most scared of is when um, Luke Cage does finally decide to get into the fight, and then Vision has enough energy to do Synthesoid Avenger, and uh, 
Sam's in a position to like shoot multiple people with with sort with shield throws instead of just like getting one and maybe luckily getting a, a ricochet. So I think your decision to wait was the proper one and very well reasoned. Yeah. And, and that's just what I all went through in my head was, was those kind of things. I mean, you know, you put it a lot more eloquently than I did, but like, that's, that's exactly it. And I appreciate the compliment on that because it was one of those things where it was like, it felt weird not to do it. Just like it felt weird not to have Mordo as my leader and have Strange as my leader. But you know, it was one of those things where it, it just worked. Right. And then I had the moment where I was like, like, Every power phase, he kept asking me, is that all you're going to do in the power phase? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, just casual, whatever. And and immediately I'm like, crap, I forgot to flip my leadership. Crap, I forgot to flip my leadership. So, like, oh, no. on on my, my clapback turn, I was in the circle of the cosmos when I wanted to be on the reroll side. And I did eventually flip it to the reroll side, and it made, you know, it was one of those things where I kept just kind of goofing off, like, what would happen if I was on the reroll side? And it wasn't paying off anyway, so it didn't really matter. But, uh I did end up flipping it a little later, but I was able to kind of get some power on Mordo, and Mordo, I will say, has been impressing me a little bit more lately, and this is interesting, so I was able to kind of do another Burning Reigns of Ragador thing on somebody, and I think it was Vision, and that was really nice to get him like incinerated again, and what I ended up doing was, I think it was today's Vision, I played playing a pole dock on him early in a round so I could try to get the days on him. The dice didn't fall. That's fine. But he only had, I think, two health left or something like that. And he didn't, I don't think he med packed or I don't remember if he had med pack or field dressing. I don't remember. I think he had field dressing. But he ended up moving vision over to try to get into range to mess with uh, Mordo and magic. And I guess he might have forgotten that I had playing a Poldock on him or something because once he moved into range of Mordo, Mordo was able to do his four dice attack and get the days on him with the playing a Poldock. Nice. So, yeah, it was like a really nice little moment. Like I was like, oh man, I missed I missed my shot. Oh darn. And then it's like, oh, here he comes. Boop, 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 boop. All right. This is awesome. And uh, then I was like, okay, well, once I get Vision dazed, he's priority target to KO. Uh, and I ended up being able to KO him later, and I think that that was just very, very clutch. Because, it, I mean, Vision's just Vision's so good. He's Vision so good. is the biggest kill threat for him. Yes. Like, Absolutely. If You're scared of Voodoo because of his control and a little bit of Iron Man. Like Everyone's got some good control. Luke Cage is hard to kill, and that's annoying, but if anyone's going to just absolutely start murdering people left and right, it's Vision. Yeah. And he, his spender will just one-shot a wizard if he's not careful. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So all of this is kind of the early game, right? And then we shift into the late game. We're both in striking distance of winning. He's got 10 points. I've got 9 points, I think. This is going into round 4. Yep. And... It's it's one of those things where like I feel like the momentum has shifted a little bit in his direction. You know, it's just one of those things. And I don't remember who he activates first that round. But what I do remember from that round very specifically, and I'm going to have trauma from this for a long time, I think. And that is he activated Luke Cage and Luke Cage did a sweet Christmas into or no, it wasn't a sweet Christmas. 
Luke Cage just did his regular five dice attack into Doctor Strange and rolled two wilds and did a ton of, like, it was like from Strange went oh, from wow. zero to four damage. Right? It was, I was like, oh my God. And he staggered him. And again, if you if you want, go back and watch this stream. I'm literally like, that's it. It's over. You just staggered my best piece. Like, you know, there's nothing I can do to come back from this. I, I really thought it was over right there. Because, again, thinking about the math of the points on the board, there's four secures, three books, so there's seven points. He's at ten. He had fairly good control of the secures at that point, and I think he had two books right there. I'm not sure. The books were back and forth. But it was very, uh, yeah, like I was like, oh, this is over. You just detonated my best chance. And, And I... It was kind of, I don't think it was the beginning of the round that that happened. It was a couple activations in, but it was a real huge thing for him, right? And yep. I did what we've talked about. Like, I started, to, I started to tilt a little bit. Like, the tilt warning came up on the pinball machine, you know what I'm saying? I, I tuned in at this moment. I don't know what, I didn't know what happened, but I do know because I remember the chat. A couple, so one or two people in the chat was like, Will's tilting. <laughs> Will's getting a little tilted. Yeah. And I was like, no. Yeah. It, it, I was like, lose. I was like, oh no. Oh no. Like, it's no. And, and so, but, but I, you know, took a couple deep breaths. I looked at the board state. I said, how do I do that? You know, what do I do here? And who's that sitting over there kind of not doing much? It's the hero that we never deserve. The one and only Wong. I was going to say, is it Wong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let me tell you he has been like seriously like strange is the mvp right like yes but wong has been like the mvp for me so much this season like i can't even with how amazing i have had it with wong it's it's crazy I, like i'm I, I don't know he's been awesome so wong's over there i'm I'm worried that I don't have the range, but that heal is range three, baby. It's range three. Thank God. So I move Wong once. I'm within range three. We bless him by the Vashanti, and boom, no more stagger token. Yup. Still got the damage. Still got the damage on him, which I didn't want. I was like, but, you know, I still had field dressing available, which I had other characters that could get there to field dress if need be, but we had... Wong removed the stagger token, and seriously, I think that was the play of the game in a lot of ways. Like, if I hadn't been able to unstagger Strange, like, I don't even remember what I did with Strange in that activation. I really don't. But whatever it was, it was enough to not only take him from being in the lead to put me in the lead. I think whatever, however this round unfolded, it got me to 13 points. It got you to 14 points. 14 points. Yes. 14 to 12 was what this round ended at. Yes. So, so I don't remember how kind of like, I mean, I obviously had a great turn and and I'm being honest. Like this is one of those moments where like, I guess I just kind of blacked out (laughs) and like the other will took over. Yes. The (laughs) other will took over, uh, my version of clue. If you, if you're any Hulk fans out there and you've just just Google clue, Mr. Fix it. (laughs) 
Yes. But no. So like, I don't even remember how all of this rest of this round unfolded, but I was able to score enough points to get within two of winning and going into round five, I think it was. I think it was round five that I was able to get within two, not round... Was it round four or five? I won the game going in at the end of round five, I think. Yep, and that uh, going... So end of round four, it was nine to ten with his advantage. And then round five is when you had the the score for round four going into five was the 14 to 12. Right, okay. So... So going into round five, I'm I'm within two points of winning, and I have two books at this point. I'm pretty sure. So I have I have one I have two secures. No, I have two secures, one book, and magic dazed from a damage from the um, from the trap thing because she wasn't able to flip a trap or something. So she dazed and had a book and dropped it. That's what it was. She dropped a book. And uh, QTR placed it, trying to get it within range one of Iron Man, but it was just a millimeter out. And so Magic is loaded for bear on power this turn. And he's got Iron Man and at the top of round five. And I don't... QTR made many great decisions in that game he really put a lot of decision pressure on me because he made great decisions for the majority of that game honestly however I do think that this decision was a bit of a mistake for him at the top of this round he activated Iron Man first and he Helios lasered Voodoo who was fully healthy on his injured side at this point but and he had his da- brother Daniel token, and his logic was, well, he didn't want me trying to possess someone when they really needed to score some points or something like that, right? Yep. So, makes sense. Like, I, I get his logic, but Voodoo wasn't hurting him really right there in, in like, mm-hmm. kind of how I viewed the board state. Like, Voodoo is a threat, will be a threat no matter what he's doing, right? I mean, he's he's a four-threat character. He does a lot. But the biggest problem he had was he had just Iron Man on the side of the table where Mordo and Magic both were. And Mordo had a book, and Magic was close enough to where she could potentially get a book, right? Yep. His voodoo was kind of coming across the table but hadn't made it all the way there yet to be able to possess Magic. So, you know, we're we're in like the danger mode for me, but then he, so he decides to go and blow up Voodoo. And that's where I think it was a mistake. If he'd have gone after Magic right there, I think he wins the game. Because then mm-hmm. Magic can't do what she does, and that is after Voodoo's activated, so I don't think this was actually the first activation of the game. I think it was or of the round, it was a couple activations in, but either way, she activates and teleports to within one of the book, grabs the book, and then is able to use Journey Through Limbo to yeet Voodoo range three away. Yes, he's immune to incinerate. I would love to incinerate somebody with Journey to Limbo, but we we yeet him range three away, so over closer towards where Strange and Cage are, and then she moves on to the point that Mordo's on, who hasn't activated yet, 
and she flips that point for me. It's one of the secures. So now, in order for him to win and prevent me from winning, he's got to tie at 16, and I've got three points at this point, no matter what. And then I end up getting to the other secure that uh, with Mordo and flipping that, but not before Strange activates and teleports Voodoo away even further. Mm-hmm. So the way I secured the victory in all of this is by playing that hard control, a clutch journey through Limbo with magic. I mean, like it was the clutchest of clutch plays, I feel like, because she had enough power to teleport herself, teleport Voodoo, and interact with an objective. Like she she had it all by, like there was no power left to spare. And she was able to do all of that and and then move, you know, to safety with her book, if you will. And so, you know, then being able to teleport Strange away, like no matter what he did on that side of the board, on the my right, his left side of the board, it didn't matter because I had four points. Yep. Well, and, even just three, because at 14 to 12, in this instance, there's four secures and three extracts. You score three points to go to 17. Maximum he can score is four, which takes him to 16 and you win. Exactly. So all you had to do was sit in that corner next to that madman. With Baron Zim or Baron Mordo and Magic with those three points and you won. And I'm actually currently, as we talk, watching this part of the game. And <laughs> it is hilarious watching you just you journey through limbo. And a little spoiler, I don't think you mentioned this. You then went with Doctor Strange yeah. after Luke Cage tries to kill him and fails. And just scalpel of strange him even further away <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes it was like no voodoo you are not getting over there sir <laughs> yeah i that was i think that was really good um such like scenario awareness on your part to recognize because there's a lot of times like people will look at like voodoo because voodoo is a magnet for for death <laughs> yeah and also one of the best pieces to leverage for a win and to be able to identify correctly i don't lose because voodoo's gone and he also had a book so you also lost a book to that yeah that's what it was to recognize that this book and this character loss advantages me because it wastes an action and then properly identifying that your real target is his, that his voodoo is actually better for you than your voodoo is for him and dealing with that and then making sure you, you you do what you're supposed to do like very good very good scenario awareness it's very hard when you know to, to not hit that tilt button when you lose a, a key piece like that it's very good that you didn't yeah uh yeah and and, and you did it <laughs> it's it's wild because like if you go back and you watch the stream i get real quiet while he's thinking about shooting voodoo because again like i to your scenario awareness point i recognize that's good for me i recognize that that him doing that like he's moving iron man away from a, a victory point in that book right there like cuz there's a, there's a book right next to iron man when he activates he's got to move to pick it up but it's right there mm. and so he decides to move and shoot with, and I, I get it again. Like I don't fault his logic one bit. I, it makes sense. It's also denying me a victory point 
his voodoo's right there. He thinks maybe his voodoo can get over there and grab that book or or whatever the thought is there. But like I get real quiet and I just I let it happen because because I know. And and look, he sent me a screenshot. He screenshotted the amount of damage he did to voodoo on that. He rolled a hell of a roll on that. It's it was insane. insane. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane. And another re- thing about like Helios, right? And this is just kind of one of those things I've noticed the more I've seen it out there. Look, if you absolutely positively need to nuke somebody, yeah, sure, it's great. It really is. And it's fun. It's an exciting thing. It is It is a very fun tactics card. I do not want to take that aspect of it away. However, if you have Helios in your list, I would highly recommend looking at Ricochet Blast instead. Because it's seven dice, potentially nine, with a Friday AI with full rerolls. So... Yep. I kind of think it's it maybe fills that role similarly, and it doesn't cost your entire team their power, which was huge. Yeah. Helios is good in very specific situations, and honestly, if like Iron Man is like one of your primary sources of damage, it's not terrible to take both, uh, but Ricochet Blast is definitely more, uh, more flexible. You're yeah. going to be able to do more with it, and it's longer range. Yes. You can get some really weird angles with it. Yes. So, anyways, just 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 a tiny little bit of strategy talk there. But, uh, anyways, so yeah, that's that, that's how the game unfolded. That was kind of like a a very long and winding description of the game. And uh, again, I was physically shaking by the end of it because I was like, "Oh my god, am I about to like do this?" Because this 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 is a a. a game of pushing miniatures around the table but you know what by god it meant something to me to make the cuts and and so like when i was on the cusp of doing that it was like i was just like like nervous shaking i can't even i can't even describe it if you know what it feels like to be nervous shaking you know what i'm talking about i i I, in any cuts game that i've been in that's typically my reaction to Or, or or on the bubble game like that yeah um Unless I'm in a position where I recognize, oh, I've already won, I'm, I'm just super nervous. And at NashCon, when I played Justin in round five mm-hmm. to make cuts, uh, Nate and uh, and Gronko didn't tell us that we were both already in. <laughs> they just let us suffer. Of course, that yeah, that sounds about right. And we had a very good, very tense game, and. It was just uh, so much emotion. And then we get done, I lose, and I'm like, oh, out. Oh, and then they're like, oh, no, you're in. Nice. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's awesome. And no other game that that day or the next day were like as stressful because my goal like here was to make cuts. Anything else was gravy. And that's typically how I did it with the TTS season. Like every other game is just gravy. I don't care. Like it's cool to keep going and winning. But, uh, I just want to make cuts, and then I'm happy. Oh, yeah. That's that's where I am. Like, look, do I want to win this whole thing? Sure, but, like, look, I've done my part. Yeah. You and know? It's, winning a huge event like that is such a hard thing to do. Exactly. But setting, I think setting a realistic, attainable goal is fantastic. Exactly. Like, getting cuts, it's hard. It is a difficult thing to do, 
it's like it, it's an achievement to make it to cuts, uh, but it's attainable. Like thirty-two people did it this year, out of I think like three hundred or something. I don't remember exactly how many. Yeah. Out of a lot, but you know that's a lot easier than being the one person to win the whole event. It sure is, and not making that your goal is good. Your 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 goal. Your now what your what your goal is is to push yourself and see how much further you can get. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of pushing myself, let's now discuss a little bit of my roster. Yep. If you're ready for this. So absolutely. Suits, as everyone knows, I've been playing convocation. And actually, Mirzane, before we get too deep into this, did any other convocation players make the cuts? I think one did. Yes. Sorry. So, like uh there's a lot the, the one to me that was weird i expected a lot of criminal syndicate there's a lot of brotherhood i told you brotherhood is everywhere which by the way is very frightening for you no no so we're gonna have that discussion here in a second okay uh. so let's talk about my list uh you have it there in front of you so i've already made two changes and that is i've taken out advanced r&d for eyes on the prize and marked for death for sacrifice. Now, mm-hmm. the logic for both of those. Let's start with marked for death for sacrifice. So, marked for death is kind of the uh, accepted way to deal with a black cat, if you will. Mm-hmm. And while useful, don't get me wrong, this is very, very useful. And, and I think that it is a very good tool to deal with Black Cat, I don't think I need it. I I agree. I, I don't think that stealth is the part that hurts you exactly. of, of her equation. Exactly. So I don't think that, that it is a particularly useful one for me. And I think in other situations that, yeah, that's probably a really good thing for people, but I, I don't see myself wanting to ever use it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like, if I see a black hat on the opposing team, I'm still not bringing that. I'm still bringing playing a pole dock. I'm still bringing indomitable, brace for impact, field dressing, insert other random card, but not that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it didn't seem reasonable for me to keep that in here. So, I put in sacrifice because, specifically, the Brotherhood matchup, and if... Wong is able to take a hit for Strange, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's simple as that, because <laughs> I cannot lose Strange turn one to Brotherhood. It's also coincidentally pretty good in a Black Order. Being able to choose who your opponent's attacking yes. can really punish uh, either improper positioning or uh, like burning an action on someone that you know they thought that they would get, and then all of a sudden, no, 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 no. Like it, you said, you hit Wong. Exactly. And and that's it's those two matchups specifically that it's here for. So I mean that's that's very simple. And do I think it is the best tool to deal with those? Probably not. But I also feel like it helps me play my game and helps makes it to where they don't get to play their game as much. Mm-hmm. Is the way I look at it. So 
you're probably asking yourself, what the hell is eyes on the prize? I don't know. I know you're not asking this, Mercedes. The suits out there are probably asking themselves, what is eyes on the prize? So, eyes on the prize. It is an unaffiliated active tactics card. At the start of any allied character's activation, it may spend one power to play this card. During this activation, this character can interact with objectives at range two instead of the normal range one. So, who starts with a ton of power from Emer Zane? Doctor Strange, the Doctor Sorcerer Supreme. Strange, the Supreme Strange. He starts with three power. So, on specifically hammers, which is everywhere right now. Strange, with the leadership being encircled to Cosmos mode to potentially help him be a little safe, Strange can grab the hammer right on the middle at range two right away. He can grab it from without having to move, right? So that's he pays one power to activate this card, pays mm-hmm. a power to go get that hammer right in front of him, and then he double moves to one side or the other, depending on terrain, but like he can get to either side and interact with one of those other hammers to have two hammers right away first activation of the game. And you said it's a double move? Uh, yeah, it's a double move. Okay. So he can he can get two hammers right away, right off the beginning of the game. And so let's say I have priority and we pull hammers, which we wouldn't because I'd be picking secures, but let's just say it happens. and Or my opponent pulls hammers, right? So there's a lot of ways hammers could be on this table. So if I do that play, I have, and my opponent doesn't immediately go get that other hammer, I have a three extract lead because I'm going to go get that other hammer. Yep. Is this play great into things like Brotherhood that is going to asteroid in somebody over and eat my lunch? Probably not. However, I think it's a very strong play. And again, shout out to uh, Octo Taco out there, Brian. What's up, my brother, for kind of explaining this to me? Because typically, I do not want to activate Strange early. He is my last or next to last activation every game. And I like to leverage his teleports and everything kind of early if I can. So Mm -hmm. I don't like activating him early. However, Strange with two hammers and those re-roll situations that he has, and Circle the Cosmos being somewhat safe, I feel like is pretty strong. That also leaves you open on the other side to really threaten that object, the other hammer. So like people like Voodoo being able to walk up and, you know, mess with that plan or another ranged character, uh, like even Hulk. Mm-hmm. Being able to go up and like double move and throw the person that took the hammer um, or move, leap, hit, and then throw. Like you have a lot of options to pressure them on that hammer too. And I think that's going to be a really cool thing to, to leverage with that play. Exactly. And then if they can't respond to strange, I don't like seven die strange. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> throwing Piercing mystic attacks around. Oh, yeah. 
it's it's the spice of life. I did it recently in that tournament, and while the overall tournament results weren't very successful, the match that I was able to play hammers and do this on, yeah, it's legit. Strange had three hammers at one point. It was nasty. <laughs> it, yeah, it was great. And it's just, you know, look, it, there's it's definitely situational. It all I think it definitely depends on the matchup and whatnot. Like, if we pull hammers and I'm staring across Brotherhood, I definitely have to think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Because I do not want to lose Strange early again, like I said. So that's something that I have to really think about. Black Order also, I have to think about that, right? But I'm. it is available to me, and so therefore it's something that I really like the idea of that play. But it's not only the hammer play. So it also has a tertiary play, if you will. Secondary, tertiary, I don't know. So C-shape objectives. Okay, so that's Cree Scrolls, Senators, or even C-secures. So Sword Base or the uh, origin bombs. So those mm-hmm. specifically that you have to pay to flip and, and secure them that way. So strange can interact with two of them. Turn one with eyes on the prize. Yep. I, as soon as you said C shape, I knew exactly where that was going. Yeah. So this brings me to my next point. So, like I said, those are the only two things that have changed. And we talked about when I added advanced R&D in at the turn that it was like, well, you usually want to use that with like something in mind. And I didn't have anything in mind. I didn't take it ever. So I felt like I don't need it. So that's why eyes on the prize is here. Yep. So with these things in mind, now let's talk about my crisis selection. Because I still like Demons Downtown. I'm I'm not changing that, even though it is good for Black Order and Brotherhood. I feel like having Clea that is immune and having Voodoo that is immune allows me a little more leverage on that scenario than my opponent. So mm-hmm. I like that. I still like Spider Portals because it's not good for Criminal Syndicate, not great for Criminal Syndicate, and I don't mind spread now and kind of maybe like taking a flank kind of stuff. Like I don't mind that kind of stuff. So I still like that. So that I'm not want to changing that either. It's and, also black orders worst scenario that too. So intrusions open across city as seals collapse is on the table for dropsies for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm considering sword base or origin bombs. So, mm. Sword, I don't have a ton of experience with as Convocation. And I do feel like I can fairly somewhat reliably control the middle and one flank. But mm-hmm. it's like, again, it would, it, you know, it just, it's tough. Because that one yeah. is utterly punishing if you screw it up. Yes, both of them very much are. I think if you want to do sword, sword is interesting because anytime you have a 14 point objective, it makes your opponent really think about whether or not uh, they want to give you, if if they win priority, if they want to like, if they, if they have an extract focused game and you have sword and their plan doesn't revolve around 14 points, really makes them consider not throwing you the secures after all. Right. Because they don't want to play on 14. 
Um, so my question for you is, how is your 14? All right. So my 14 is strange voodoo. So that's nine. And then Wong. That takes us to 11. And then insert three threat based on opponent. Right. Because I have access to Mordo there. I have magic. I have Clea. I have Hood. True. So I don't hate my 14. No, I think that sounds solid. You could also, if you're feeling extra spicy, you could go uh, Strange Hulk insert target three. Yes, that was a consideration. But I don't think, I don't think on sword that three activations is the way to go. Depends on how good those three activations are <laughs> and how good you are with them. Exactly. Because with Sorcerer Supreme, Strange, and Hulk, uh, it's not impossible for you to end up at the end of the game having more activations. <laughs> this Especially because like the, the thing with Hulk and any of the big boy characters like that is the lower the threat cast, the, more the less likely they're ha- going to have answers. Yeah. And the less likely they are to expect it. Like, who expects 14-point Convocation Hulk? Yeah. Very true. So, uh, with this th- with this being in discussion, I- I'm I'm highly considering sword. I'm comfortable on a C shape, but the the thing I'm more comfortable with is playing that attrition style, and in that I have to be much more scenario focused. Yes. And and if you think about like I, I say I'm more comfortable playing attrition style, if you've noticed my last couple of games, I've started off thinking murder. And then started playing scenario and it's worked out okay. Yeah. So I think I can play scenario pretty good. And I think that some combination of Strange, Voodoo, Wong, and Clea, that's a hefty bit of control there. Mm-hmm. So, I think that I think that either of these is really good for you. I actually really like this pivot. The one issue I have with Sword, even though I think Sword is going to be fantastic if you can pull it off. Is it's a very very snowbally crisis. Yes, it is an all or nothing score, and it's three, which is pretty good for an all or nothing. If you have parity on something like hammers, and you lose the sword base, you're behind three points. And if it's something like Krikor and sword base, and you're down both, five point deficits are huge. Yes. Well, I've I played a game locally in a tournament that ended twenty to five because the we went to round seven. He scored fifteen in a row, three rounds, five five points per round. Then I scored fifteen in a row, went to round seven, and he got the last score and won. Wow, it was that was one of the most nerve wracking games I've ever played. Being down fifteen to zero is not a good feeling. Yeah, wow. Um, but it's very snowbally. So you, if you can get an early lead, and you can play it correctly, you can keep an early lead and, yeah. and transition that into a win. But you have to get the early lead because if you have to claw your way back, it's hard. But you do have a lot of maneuvering shenanigans with stuff like Clea, Hulk, the Cosmos thing that makes you teleport when you're hit. Yes. Murder Strange has the scalpel to move multiple people back into range, which I'm saying that because 
one of the things that sword does is if you're controlling the majority of the sword bases, it will allow you at the top of the turn or the top of the round rather to short push an enemy character any direction. Oh yeah. So you're, you're getting three points and then you're making one of your opponent's models waste resources to get back in the fight. That's why it's very snowbally. Yes. And so I feel like, again, with that in mind, having characters that, okay, if I lose the sword base, I can get back into the fight if I need to. Yep. I like like them both. And if you're comfortable at 14 and you think that you can get the early round uh, advantages, I say go for it. And that eyes on the prize play on sword is really cute because that means that you know, you probably don't, I don't think you get within range one of the one you end on. I don't remember. No. You might be able to? No. You can't? You don't. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's range two for both. So you can't protect it, but you can immediately pressure your opponent to have to waste activations to move up and get those. Exactly. And, th- and that can, you can do some really weird stuff with that. You can, you can make your opponent make some difficult decisions early on in the round if like we talked about with the hammers if you're if you're threatening the other side and you just got two for free because you don't need to roll it and that kind of makes me wonder if the uh it's origin bombs is the deadly is the meteors i always call deadly meteors um yeah it's deadly meteors mutate civilians or something like that i always call it origin bombs (laughs) yeah everyone's got we got names for everything yes um that one it's good and bad because you have to roll for it. So you might not get it, but then your opponent has to roll for it too. And they may not get it Yeah. as opposed to sword. They just get it because you're not contesting. Right. So I think both are great options for you. And I think you just have to decide which one you're more comfortable with, whether you're comfortable with the low point scenarios. And if you're comfortable with swords, unique interactions, if yeah. you are, I think it's a great choice because like you said, going for scenario control is very powerful. And if you can leverage that, you can you can win games uh, potentially very quickly. Exactly. So that is high consideration for me is sword base there. Mm-hmm. So next consideration is my extracts. I've played a ridiculous amount of Cree core at this point. <laughs> and yes. And like in real life, because I just randomly pulled it and in TTS League. And I started off with thinking to myself when I built this roster, 20 points is good for me because more models, more fun, more dice, and my my attrition's going to be fine. Yes. And then I can play a Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. The more I've played this, the more I'm thanking my lucky stars I didn't run into something like Black Order or Brotherhood when this came out because I feel like it's better for them ultimately. And then I think especially Black Order, it really plays into what they want to do. So I yeah. really think I want to drop this and hear me out. What was it we just talked about with 14? That you can do the double the double check and you can do the, uh, you have pretty good, values at 14 exactly so i think you're a madman senators i know it i knew it i knew it 
when you said and now my extracts. I was like, he's going to suggest senators. All right. I mean, tell me it's you bad. Crazy tell me it's bad. man, I love it. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not great in terms of like what the the penalty for the senator is huge. Losing a defense die, and then if you're incinerated or if a stupid ass honey badger comes running up to you, not good. Right? Like that's not good. You're rolling very little defense there. However, I think that again, if Strange is able to get it off the rip, interact with two of them, and and here's another thing, I am going to know what side I'm going to take Strange to before my opponent does because Strange can deploy in the middle and not commit to either side, and then I can deploy one person on either wing that can get there and interact with the other one if my opponent doesn't immediately go and get it. Yep. Because let's say Strange whiffs on both of the interactions. Okay, fine. And now we know where it is, and it's a game of chicken as who's going to go get it first, and if my opponent doesn't, or if they do, okay, great, I'm rolling more adact dice into you, probably with voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of dig that, actually. But let me, uh, let me throw this one at you. Do you think that's better than say spider infected yes because i don't like i don't like the possibility of displacement with that where like they could push me or it was an advance me closer to them when i like to play at my ranges you know what i mean like plenty of stuff has range three in this game right now and and higher but i do like to play at my ranges and i don't want to be displaced if i can help it so -hmm. i don't like that and then also I don't like that where it's going to score so fast potentially and I don't have a great plan for it. You, you want to keep the game very controllable and you don't want like huge, huge bursts one way or the other. Right. And, and like, I know I, I don't want huge bursts one way or the other. He says, as he puts sword base in his list, so, when you put two, uh, see, like only one side scores objectives. In. Right. But the, the thing is, I feel like that I can mitigate better, whereas with, like, the spider infected, I just don't have, like, a wonderful plan for it. And I know that there's been some of the the plan of run across the board and you grab your opponent's spider infected and, and then just use Circle of the Cosmos to walk your way back, right? That yep. plan is okay, but it's especially good with someone like Lizard. And I say especially good, I think it's actually, again, just okay with Lizard, but you go and you grab it with Lizard, and then if you get attacked and you survive, you just walk back. And most people aren't throwing a ton of dice into you. However, you just said there's a ton of Brotherhood out there right now. And mm-hmm. I would love to play Black Order or Brotherhood with Spider Infected because it really hurts them. They do not want to be yep. displaced. They don't want that many things on the board because it's harder for them to pick it up. Exactly. And if- Magneto or Corvus has to pick up a spider infected and get moved. They're not happy with it. Oh, yes. I've played that game into Black Order, and it's wonderful. Literally, the only character that moved on their side every time was Corvus with the stupid thing. And I was like, you can go away now. You can go away now. You can go away now. It's also funny because he has an extra die face where he can can be moved because the skull counts as a crit. Uh, It's so good. When he has Uh, the reality gem. Well, Corvus is... I just assume it's just stapled to his it's card. It's just stapled to his card. So. so I like this. I actually just thought of this because you mentioned him. And I know I feel like your characters are a lot. 
I, I kind of want to throw this out there because talking about a couple of those character choices uh, made me wonder if this would be a cool idea or not. And so I just kind of run it by you. Um, so how often do you actually think you're going to use the ancient one? Because I think you used her once, but typically when we plan, we don't think of, we, we think about her, but she doesn't get played. And she's sort of in an awkward spot where you're almost always taking strange. You're, you're looking at taking hulks and you're looking at taking voodoos. Yes. So this was going to be in the character discussion. Oh, I thought we weren't getting here. Let's, let's wait for that. then. Okay. Let's finish our crisis discussion. Then we're going to jump over to the characters because I don't think the tax cards are changing any much, but like, like I, I don't hate the idea of spider infected. I really don't. I just don't particularly want to play that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel you. And I think you have more control or, or like, I think you have a better, you, you, you presented a better plan for senators. Whereas like your plan with spider infected is like your opponent gets them and maybe displaces themselves accidentally and it, and it benefits you. Right. And maybe you get an advantage and don't get moved. And like, it's good for the, it's good for people who like, like web warriors who don't mind. And like, um, I can't think of them, but some other characters, some well, other, uh, like it's other a really, it's a, it's a very neutral crisis for most squads, except for like black order and brotherhood and maybe spider foes. Like, like the, the yeah. more like kill focused teams, it's very neutral. Yeah, people who want to spend two actions attacking don't like it. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. I do want to spend two actions attacking with strange with magic, uh, you mentioned Ancient One, with Ancient One when she's on the table. You know, I do want to do that sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, being able, being forced into a position where I can't do that feels bad. Right. You know? But with Senators, the biggest concern I have is not Voodoo, but Black Cat. And I, I understand that that maybe invalidates some of the things I've said about Black Cat in the past, but a good Black Cat pilot knows what to do with her. Her one job is to steal stuff. She is not doing anything else. Maybe staggering somebody, but really she's not doing much else. So the only like eh, I have with that is her. However, the boon of the senator, speed becomes short, rolls one less attack die. So if she does steal it, she gets dead. She's much easier to track down. So again, that's why I don't hate it. And again, yeah. and the idea of having two 14s in there and forcing my opponent to have to like deal with that, I think is really interesting. I, I like it. It's bold. It's scary to make a big change like that going into, into like the most difficult games of the season. <laughs> yeah. But throwing curveballs like that can really benefit you if you have a good plan. And you're confident. And it sounds like you do. And it sounds like you are confident. So I say go for it. I say that that sounds really, really cheeky and very good into what we're expecting. I think both of those are still also good in a criminal syndicate who we haven't talked a lot about. Right. Because there's going to be a lot of that. Because they like higher point cost. Don't like the flip secures as much. 
like I, th- I think it does a lot of things for you. And it's a really interesting, like, like I said, it's a really interesting thing to leverage if you lose priority and you roll up one of your 14s and then you have a plan for that. And maybe the plan that they were expecting to accomplish required a higher point value mm-hmm. or maybe isn't as safe at that lower point value. So now you can you can start leveraging weaknesses in their list design, which a lot of these higher at this level, most lists are pretty tight. But the extreme ends of the spectrum at 14 and 16 typically are ones that people will look at but don't necessarily have the best plan for. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones, like, I think 16 points is the most awkward for most people. It's super awkward for me. Yeah, it's super awkward for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. So, I'm 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 still going to gonna mull it over, but I'm feeling good about it. And then another thing that Sword Base, I want to go back and talk about that for one second, allows me to do is instead of playing a pole dock... I can play Orb of Agamotto, and now everyone gets to teleport if they have three power. True. So I, I'm just I'm I'm feeling that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now let's talk about characters. The last part of this roster stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So Strange, Voodoo, Mordo, Magic, Wong, and Clea are 100% safe. Like I'm not, they aren't, they are not coming out. Hood is a consideration, but I, I haven't played him this season yet, but there is a matchup that exists where I think he's very good. It just hasn't happened yet. Which one is that? I don't know, (laughs) but it's there somewhere in the ether. I think actually think Avengers, like it was between him and magic for me on this particular recent matchup in the QTR game and I told you the reason I went with magic was specifically because of her three physical defense it ended up paying off more dividends because of the journey through limbo play but I think hood would have been decent in that matchup too right on any other secure crisis Mm -hmm. so so he was there for that Um, then so I kind of like him. And then there's Hulk, which I've played Hulk a couple of times. He's he's great. Like, Hulk is great. But fitting his six points into my list is hard. It is. I honestly, though, I think Hulk is probably one of the best splash characters in the game right now. I agree. Especially if you're looking at high point splashes. I agree. He... It's not going to be every game, but like we talked about, or like I was saying anyway, if you have options for him at 14 and you have a lot of options for him at high points, and if you can correctly identify where your opponent doesn't want to see a Hulk, then you can almost definitely drop Hulk and have a very clear path to victory. Exactly. Because if they can't, it's not like he used to be where you could ignore him and he didn't do a lot. New Hulk will kill you. <laughs> yeah. And you throw it's enough not a, the problem. It's not a matter of if he'll get there. It's when he'll get there. So I, I, I think he, I think he, he deserves a spot, not because he'll be used in every game, but because of the threat he can provide mm-hmm. and in the proper matchups at the proper time, he can just literally just win you the game almost solo. I agree. And and he's been MVP for me a couple of times. So like uh, 
I, I like Hulk. I'm, I'm not taking him out, but uh, it's like I constantly come back to that. Like, man, would would Juggernaut be better here for one less? But I don't think no, so. But I don't, I don't think, think so. so. So there's that. Then we have Enchantress, which she's on the chopping block for me because the reason I put her in here was the beams, the potential to steal an objective if I need to kind of stuff, you know, the, the positioning, the control, right? Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I think if I'm adding in sword, her bow is very useful. Yes. But I do have a potential replacement, and that's mm-hmm. Loki with this mind gem. I like Loki with the mind gem, but my one concern is the one extra threat. So where it gets interesting is on some of those lower threat values and playing, like if I play sword, I think Loki with the mind gem is very interesting there. And one extra threat is tough, but he's, so he's a thought. I also had another thought and that's Medusa. Medusa is very good. (laughs) Yes. And I think Medusa with the plane of, or with the circle of the cosmos ability, being able to place around is very good. And then, you know, she's threes across the board with the rebolt roll. So Ironbound Books doesn't really matter. And then her ability to potentially reposition people. And then here's the other one Royal Decree. Mm -hmm. Being able to place herself or my teammates. All around, I think, again, with this kind of pseudo new plan we're going with here, is very interesting. Right. I think the only issue you come across playing Medusa is none of your cards really help her. Not a one. So she she is sort of a free agent. And she's very powerful, so that's probably okay. Um. But I definitely think that's a really spicy option. She's also got another uh, physical defense over uh, Enchantress. So that's good. Exactly. Um, she's got a throw for people only. That's, I believe, range three. So it that's is. a really good range for that. Yep. Um, and yeah, she brings a lot of mobility. So that might be a really good idea. Because uh, I don't think you lose a lot of control, especially because Enchantress's bow is limited to one. Uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Unless your set, your opponent is giving you the sweetest of beams. I know, chance. right? There's a good chance she's getting more damage because of the potential flurries for single target damage, the throws. Um, and if she can flurry into multiple people and get multiple people pushed off, she probably does more damage and does more control than um, Enchantress is ever doing. Right. So, so yeah, I actually like that change a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping Enchantress and I'm putting in Medusa. Like, I, th- I mm-hmm. think I'm settled on that. Like, Loki is the spicy choice here for the replacement. But, like, I, and I, I really think he plays good with Convocation. I just don't have enough reps with him. I do have more reps with Medusa. And I think Medusa, like, is a hard control version of what I want Loki to be. Whereas Loki's not only mind-gemming people... But also, he is there to provide the bubble, the tax bubble, which he's. that's another reason why I would think about him here is, again, 
let's say we're playing sword base, but at a higher threat level, right? Like let's say I pull my secures and we get sword base pulled out and we're at a higher threat level. Loki taxing my opponent would be huge, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, if you subscribe to the um, the Nate school of thought, <laughs> uh, he is really good in the Black Order and uh, one of the best Thanos assassins, apparently. Apparently. Yes, apparently. Check out the upcoming episode of House Party Protocol for that. Uh, it'll be out on Thursday because we talk about that. <laughs> is, is there a joke about... Um, Thanos being Chris Rock and Loki being Will Smith in that podcast. Uh, yes, there's definitely a joke Good. about that. Have you seen that gif? Yes, you sent it to me. Oh, did I say it was? A- <laughs> so, yes, there's a gif out there. Just if you're in the House Party Protocol Discord, which if you're not, you can get access by checking out our Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. And for a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year, you can come and hang out in our Discord and support the show and see sweet gifts like this. <laughs> so, anyways... I'm I'm fairly settled on Medusa, but I do I do like Loki keeps tugging at my heartstrings, man. I feel the same thing. I'm building Web Warriors, and I used to play Loki all the time, and partially because Nate has inspired me with with his Loki play, but also just because I love him. Uh, I'm I'm feeling that too. Uh, I, I'm exploring other things right now, um, but I feel I I think in this situation though. For this particular character slot swap, I think Medusa is probably better for you. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think Medusa makes a lot of sense. So. She's also decent into Brotherhood for the express purpose that uh, Magneto cannot reroll his six die attacks into her. Exactly. <laughs> so that is another reason why she is uh, in here. So, now let's talk about the one that you mentioned earlier, Ancient One. So, I have some thoughts on Ancient One, right? I like Ancient One a lot. I think that she is super assassin in a lot of ways. Like, she can really assassinate people. And then, on the plane of Poldock turn, she is a nightmare to deal with. Right? And I think... If I expect to see a character like Hulk, like Hulk Buster, you know, some of these, like She-Hulk, if I run into A-Force, I really, really like Ancient One there because of that potential damage from the Plane of Poldock turn. Right. That I think would be hard to replicate. Not impossible, but hard. And Mm -hmm. then the other part that I like about her is she is able to place herself within two for her mists of hogoth and then also she has the winds of watum which playing on a sword base style thing if someone attacks me and i'm standing on a sword base ancient one pulls them off of it mm-hmm. bingo bango like i think that that in and of itself is very powerful i definitely agree however However, I think going into this this new this new uh, environment, the the targets you're potentially going to see her for because you're talking about big targets, her assassinating them. You probably like her into. It sounds weird because they have high mystic. People like Magneto because mm-hmm. if she can get there, she's going to just do a lot of damage. But it's hard for her to get there. 
And it's hard for her to not die getting there. Yeah. I don't think she's good into that matchup because of the amount of physical. Uh, same thing for Black Order. She probably puts a real big hurt on Thanos. But getting to Thanos is going to be a problem, and she's a really good target to kidnap with Thanos. Yeah. Um, you've also got... I don't think there's a lot of A-Force. She's not great into other convocation players, uh, which, like I said, there's probably one because they're going to have right. higher mystic defense across the board, and she's going to feel worse. Uh, Criminal Syndicate, you want the control, you don't want the kill. Yeah. And that's where I'm feeling like she's probably not going to be taken much and her slot can be given to someone else. Yeah. And I have two suggestions for you. I am here for it because I do have a suggestion myself, but I think it's cute and not necessarily good. So this also applies to Hood. I think that Hood slot could also potentially be taken by one of these if, if you're down for it. The first one... Is Lizard. Everybody so, loves putting Lizard in Convocation. Lizard's just good in everything right now, man. Lizard is one of the most survivable characters in the game and probably the most survivable three threat. And he's very fast with wall crawler medium move on a medium base. He's got a character throw for three power, which he won't use often, but it's relevant. He's got a range. I believe his strikes range three as range well. Range three. With a wild push, more mm-hmm. dice only, but you know what? We, we take them where we can get them. That's more control. And he's got healing factor. So, like, your opponent's going to do damage to him through his four physical, which is completely unique to your, your roster at that point cost. Yeah. Um, which, which is going to be good if you get another madman. It's going to be good if you come across a Black Order or a Magneto. Um because of the, the damage production and the high physical. And then he's going to be able to heal some of the damage that you're taking from him. And then if you're taking someone like Wong, you can further heal him and make him even more obnoxious to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a really good control piece for you. He's very, I think he brings a level of survivable. Your list just doesn't have at that point cost. Yeah. The other one I'm looking at, and it's one you took out already. <laughs> Uh, is Zemo. <laughs> um, I looked at this matchup in particular and thought, like, I, I watched a little bit and thought a lot, like, what if this character was Zemo? Like, he talked about you liked magic because she had the three physical. Well, so does Zemo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be able to make everyone a little bit tankier and a little bit more, um, a little bit more offensive. Uh, he also has a really cool interaction with convocation having the four mystic and the three physical so he actually benefits from the ironbound books turn funny enough absolutely um he doesn't get his cool master swordsman thing but depending on the situation you probably can't use it anyway but he's also really fast he's another character that can maneuver really well kind of like lizard lizard does it too being deceptively fast mm-hmm. uh, but he's also a good little assassin for you like i think in this matchup did you really use Mordo a lot in this this previous game? Uh, the I mean, yes, actually. So Mordo did a lot. He was clutch in division, and his being able to use Plane of Poldock to finish off Vision was very clutch. I did a, a fair bit of attacking with mm-hmm. Mordo in this one, like, and he's just piddly little attacks, but it can be good. And the Reigns of Ragador is pretty good, and. It's very rare that I'm wanting to not have Mordo. Right. 
Uh, Mordo is one of your linchpins. Like, yes. I think he's like a, a, a staple. But I wonder if there's situations where maybe, and not necessarily dropping him, you know, maybe magic or, or like a different matchup where magic would be dropped for Zemo. And now that's not going to happen all the time. I think what's more likely is you like Lizard because of the, you recognize, well, I don't want to take magic into Black Order because I want to live. Right. And um, I don't want to take, and if there's situations like that where you don't want to take another three-pointer, but you can still make affiliation with an out-of-affiliation character, I think Zemo can potentially help you get some really interesting stuff done because he's just so flexible. Yeah, and I see that in in his flexibility, the play. I mean, I've, I've played so much Zemo, played with, without, all, 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 you know, against, all that stuff, and... The problem I've I've had with him though in convocation is just like what do I do with him? You know what I mean? Like so in this matchup, let's just go back to this most recent game. And I have if I don't have magic there and I have Zemo, uh, is it that much better? I don't know. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if if because that'd be the character to trade out in that matchup right there. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it'd be magic for Zemo and I'm still affiliated because I've got everybody else, but is it, magic's placement was huge. Her ability to just place and do stuff was huge. And then, and I'm not saying that you're, you're not advocating to drop magic from the roster, but in terms no. of just inserting Zemo for magic, right? Like, I can see it, and I don't think I would hate it, but then I'm rolling, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think it depends on the scenario, and like, if I'm playing a scenario like Sword Base, and everybody's clumped up together, well then yeah, Zemo's probably great there. Mm-hmm. But, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? That, that's where, I, if I had to give a priority for who took Ancient One's spot, it's Lizard first. Um, yeah. If I had to say the next slot I would look at dropping, because I think everyone else is fine. I think, you know, we talked about Medusa. I think Medusa is fine. I think Enchantress is still good, too. If you wanted to go either way, I think either one's great. Um, But I think the two that I look at the most as, I don't know when you take them, because you even said yourself with Hood, like, where's the matchup? I don't know yet. I think there's potentially more times I could see you taking Lizard, definitely. This, This last game... I think magic for lizard is a fair trade. Yes, I agree. Um, and, and you know, you get, that's not to say that magic didn't potentially win you the game that in that one instance and that she wouldn't have done fantastic things for you or, or she didn't do fantastic things for you in that game, you know, with her place and stuff. Right, right. That it provides a different kind of game when you've got lizard and another one where, you know, Zemo could have been or, or Mordo could have been lizard. I, I, you get it. You know, a little bit different kinds of flexibility and stuff. Um, and we don't want to, I don't want to say like too much, like what would have happened with this character? In that game? Sure. It's so hard to tell because you, it changes the dynamic of how you play everything. Exactly. Um, but I think that there's definitely really good times to take both of them. Lizard first. Zemo maybe more often than hood as a sec, as a, as an out of the option, but hood also has like the heels and stuff. He has the so heels like, and playing a pole doc with that mystic rapid fire. It's pretty good. 
I just I, I worry about what you said. Like, how often will you actually see him hit the table? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I so far this season out of six games, zero times. Yep. You know, and I don't feel like any of the matchups you played, you felt like you needed it. No, I, I, I don't I think didn't. we. I don't think we ever really talked about him much. We we did a few times because I, I did mention like, hey, if he has a Hulk, you know, I think he's pretty good against a Hulk with the Mystic rerolls, playing a Poldark, all that stuff. But I think that you could look at it like if the points make sense, he's a he's a one point upgrade over Wong that is more offensive. Who can heal? Okay, with the benef- with the negative of a bleed, but he's still getting the heals. And then also providing an offensive uh, thing. You know what I mean? Right. And it's scenario dependent. Obviously, mm-hmm. Mutant Madman is the worst possible scenario for him. <laughs> right? But something like Intrusions comes out. Or maybe even Demons. 19 threat. I kind of like him there. Especially into Avengers. Into Web Warriors. You know? There, there's, there's also the potential that he gets flipped. And if you have lizard, you have two really hard to kill characters on the table, exactly. which is unique to your thing. Exactly. So, I, I I do like Hood. I I think that if you you take him, you know, it's hard to find a spot for him. Well, but, uh, I I think that it's ma- very matchup specific. Web yeah. warriors, yes. Avengers, yes. You know, crisis dependent. Right. Um. He's pretty decent into attrition stuff, like just with the heels, like you mentioned. Like an upgraded Wong, like I didn't think of it like that, but that's clutch. Although you do forget that Wong, he can't heal stackers like Wong can. This is true. Look, I, I'm not saying <laughs> that it's a one for one upgrade. Wong, there is no one like Wong out there. He's he's in my heart now for real. He's secured a little spot right there. But I'm just saying, like in terms of thinking about the the points and the values that would work out that way. Like if I'm trying to play wide and not take a Hulk on 19 hoods, interesting. Yeah, I I think so too. I I could see, I I think that him being there is fine. If you're willing to take that risk, because I think it's a risk either one with him or him or Zima. I, the only one I, I I would be, Oh, just sit on his lizard for ancient one. I think that's such a good trade for you. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and I think I'm going to do it. Now, I have a cute suggestion, and this will be the last thing we talk about on this epically long show right now. It's cute. I don't think it's good, but I think it's cute. Ebony Maw. It is probably more cute than good. Yeah. I, I I think he has the same problem I have with Loki, being five points. It's hard to fit. I like Loki better than Ebony. Yeah. I like Loki better too. The the logic I have with this is range four, six dice mystic attack that on a wild, so about 60% of the time, you're going to be moving somebody off of a point. Mm-hmm. I like that. Two, he is immune to collisions, spending power obviously, but functionally immune to collisions. So good into brotherhood. All right. Three. He has his own throw. It's range three, size four, long. So it's Modox throw, but from a small base, which is a little less good, but still. And I think the counter throwing things for Brotherhood, not a bad play. 
Yeah, being able to throw the stuff that they want to throw isn't a bad idea. Exactly. Throwing a size four into a size three, it can be very devastating. It can be devastating for them. So that's why I'm I that's why I think about it. And then again, he gets the benefit from playing a Poldock. He gets the benefit from Ironbound Books, and Herald of Doom is a disgusting attack. Right. I think if you weren't trying to leverage as much Doctor Strange as humanly possible in as small of a space as humanly possible, I would think that there's a lot more game for it. Uh, But if you're going to be planning for Strange constantly, he's just competing for that spot too. And he's unaffiliated, and it's just it's just hard to fit him in. So the the threat values that I thought that he would fit into would be in the up in the the nineteens and twenties, and that's about right. it. You Which know? is where you're also looking to do Hulk exactly. It was also good into those matchups. Exactly. So I'm with you on Lizard. I think like I really like Ancient One, and I think that there's play there that maybe I just haven't fully unlocked yet. And and it's something that I'll have to continue to work with. But I'm kind of with you on Lizard, and I hate to admit it. Like, it's it's one of those things where I think Lizard is is good. I think the Lizard hype is a little out of control. A little bit. <laughs> it's is a little bit out of control because he will go down. Like Luke Cage versus Lizard. The thing Lizard has going for him that Luke Cage does not is healing factor. However, you know, if you're going to bring Lizard, you might want to bring Exceptional Healing, but I'm not going to take up a Tactics card for Exceptional Healing here. No. I wouldn't expect you to. You know, the so only, like... The only way you do it, and here's another cute suggestion because you brought up Ebony Maw, is if you took Lizard and Cassandra Nova, <laughs> you can exactly. also use Exceptional Healing. Exactly. Well, and that brings me... So, like, I'm with you on Lizard, and Big Base Squad is a thing. Like... Mm-hmm. Mordo, Strange, Voodoo, Lizard, all on big bases. That's a thing. And I'm here for it. Yep. So I like that. But does Luke Cage intrigue you at all in terms of someone to stand there and be that intimidating presence? You see what I did there? Yep. And and take those hits for my more squishy people. I... I love Luke Cage. Luke Cage is one of my favorite characters in the game. Um, I think in this particular instance, his lack of a consistent control with like a throw or a push or something is where I'm uneasy. Yeah. And then on top of the fact that Lizard can, you know, get that uh, get that healing factor to make him just that smidge more survivable. Because um, I'm looking at something like, like at 14, like, you know, we talked about the four wide. Yes. You go... Strange Voodoo Lizard Wong. Whoa. That's a that's a stacked list. You've got two you got a really good control piece with some really good offense. And then another really good control piece with some really good offense. And then an absolute tank on a medium base, which benefits him. And then the control elements from him. And then Wong just says, Oh, looks like Lizard's almost dead. Now he's not. <laughs> yeah. Or it looks like Strange is almost dead. Now he's not. Yeah. So, I love I, I love Luke Cage, but I think 
I think Lizard just does a little bit more for you, and you have a little bit more to provide him than you do for Luke Cage. Yeah, and and he gets a good benefit of the place on Circle of the Cosmos, part of the leadership. So, and he might not do that, that run across the map and grab things, you know, but you can threaten it. Exactly. Exactly. So, with that, Merzane, Yep. With threatening these fine thirty-two people, I'm about to try to play against here. and once we get the first matchup we'll be back for another tts special yes so strap in for that they're continually getting longer but it is what it is merzane where can people find you you can find me at the gamers guild podcast uh you can also find me at advanced r&d podcast and wherever fine discord channels are sold (laughs) yes you're in all of those and uh suits out there listening i want to say Thank you so much for your support through all of this. I've gotten a lot of great feedback, and it's really appreciated. And I'm glad that y'all have been here on this journey with me. I hope you've enjoyed it. You know, if there's something that we're talking about that you would rather hear, like if we if we miss something, if there's something that you want us to include in these TTS specials, feel free to send us a message. HousePartyProtocolPod at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Facebook, on our Discord channel, like I mentioned before. If you want to support that, it's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. For a dollar a month, 12 bucks a year, you can come and hang out to the chillest, illest, realest, all the other ists that are good Discord channel. <laughs> so come and hang out and, and have that chat with me. Let me know what I can do to better provide value for your time. Again, these are super long, but I hope y'all been enjoying them. It seems like you have. And also check out the regular House Party Protocol episode this week. And we have a giveaway starting up. I'm going on vacation this weekend. After this weekend, we will have another giveaway. It's going to be Nick Fury and his S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, followed by Shadowland Daredevil and his ninjas. So be ready for that. One other thing. Make sure to send us reviews on the podcast platform that you listen on if it has that capability. It really helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way to us, and five stars are better than any other stars. Just five. Boop. And then write some words that say this podcast sucks, but leave five stars. (laughs) Don't write it sucks. I would appreciate that. But anyways, greatly appreciate that. And with that, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down suits. And this concludes the special report. Tune in next week for more.